after he died, it was sort of a very hard, I lost all interest in Did doing you? anything. Yeah. Everything. It was, I'd, you know, go through the motions of feeding, rugging, didn't want to ride, just yeah. lost everything. I thought, I'm never going to find a horse like him again, and I don't really want to. From performanceriders.com, this is The Collectives, where we ever so gently put aside the training and the experts just for a little while and focus on some real talk with riders from the equestrian community. Today we're talking about having loved and lost, uh, with horses that is, we're discussing the idea of a heart horse, that one horse that's the love of your life and the experience of losing that horse and what it does to you as a rider. So please welcome our guests for today, our riders, Anna, Lorna and Priscilla. Welcome, ladies. Anna. Hi. Great to have you all here. Anna, let's start with you. Tell us a little bit more about your heart horse and what made that connection so special. Um, gosh, I'm already welling up. Oh, so... no, it's early. It's early, Anna. <laughs> Bear with me. So I am... Um... I came to Australia in 2006 after finishing my um, psychology degree back in Germany and um, always wanted to be a professional writer, but my parents um, said I could study first. So I moved to Australia. Uh, my dad had lived here since I was 16 and um, worked with a Brett as a, um, as a groom for about nine months. Um, I actually brought over a horse from Germany when I moved here, um, but he got really sick, had to be retired. And at the same time as um, Brett was in the stable in Centauri Park in Sydney, um, Nicholas Fife was there as well. And um, Nick had this young horse called Reverence F. And when my other horse from Germany had to be retired, I was in the market for a new horse. Um, my parents didn't, I didn't have the funds because I spent all my money bringing my horse over from Germany. Um, my parents didn't want to buy me or lend me the money to buy a horse, but my grandparents could be convinced. So I got ah, a, it's always the grandparents. I have to pay every month. And, um, I, and, um, and I just started working in the city, but I was still living at Pantori Park. So I, Bought Revy as a four-year-old. I'd been riding him a little bit for Nick, kind of warming him up, or when he was away at competitions. And um, we just clicked. He was a little bit of a people would say ugly duckling, just a plain chestnut, no white, nothing. Um, and a bit skinny, long neck at first, but just the most beautiful nature and movement. And um, yeah, and so that's how we kicked off. Wow! And tell me about. What you and Revy, what was your journey together and then what happened? So I feel I kind of grew up and kind of got introduced into the Australian dress-off scene with Revy. So starting from the young horse classes, we did the four-year-old, he won New South Wales, novice champion that year, um, went to all the CDI young horse classes, um, uh, at the same time, I was um, working in the city, um, but he really kind of was my horse into into the industry. I got to know so many people on the program and you, Nat, as well. Um, when you brought 
Stefan Peters over with um, with Emma. What were you guys called on the bit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a wee showcase of one of those horses when Brett did his training videos. I'm not sure if we're still on the program. As, um, yeah, there's this video series, and I think we were the elementary or medium horse where we basically show how it's done wrong, and then Brett comes <laughs> and we do it. So cruel. So, um, um, but he was just, I, I don't know, I feel like kind of we grew up together. Yeah. Um, um, then, and that was a really that was a time in your life like that was a bit of an era right yeah. yeah 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 and I was like working corporate and he was kind of my my horse I did the probably similar to Priscilla the early morning 4am work at wake ups and riding before work um and yeah he also was the horse um I had a freak accident and broke my acetabulum which is the socket in which your femur your, your hip bone sits and so I was not riding for three months and had to relearn to ride. And he just sensed it and had the most generous, kind nature. Like, because every movement in your hips as a rider, you really have to be loose in your hips. So, um, yeah, he got me back in the saddle and gave me a whole new appreciation of how challenging it is to relearn or to learn to ride as an adult. Because yeah. I've been riding since I was a, a child. So I never really, like, it just, was second nature for me so it was really relearning to walk relearning to ride with him and um yeah do you want me to tell you how we kind well, of actually before you do that and I'm really interested to know to know because I, I'm lucky that um you know I know your current situation I know your current horse and he's a, he's a wonderful horse and a challenging horse mm. and I'm sure it, it ticks so many boxes for you but what was it about Revy that made him so special to you like was it was obviously that like we said it was that particular time in your life but what else was it about him oh I mean before Revy I'd never I'd never competed past elementary level and so he and I together learned all the medium advanced he was my entry into like the international dressage scene um he was part of the future stars like he just was such a trainable honest kind horse like he just let me get away with all the mistakes um (laughs) and just and just got on with the job and he was just easy and kind and um and really confidence boosting for me um I'd never had a young horse before so I think like of course like they go through the naughty period when they're kind of five and six but um I mean just learning together with the horse for the first time to do two time changes and here it's just like it it boosts you as a rider and I don't think I would have been able to kind of continue on with my journey take on a more challenging horse such as Ollie who's giving me more humble pie and and teaching me other skills but um yeah Revy made me believe that I actually have it within me to be a good rider yes what happened Anna what happened to Revy (laughs) so he um uh, that was the time when the Hendra vaccine first got released and so he got the Hendra vaccination and that's a Bit of a topic for some people on the call, I'm sure, as well. 
Um, after that, he initially everything seemed to go normal. Then he had his first colic surgery. I was flying back after Christmas in Germany, was at the airport and got a phone call that no one wants to call that um, your horse is currently at Randwick getting um, colic surgery. So went and saw him six weeks later, had a second colic surgery. Um, he survived both of those. And of course, you know, the statistics of how likely it is of a horse coming back after colic surgery is quite low. So I didn't have much hope, but like I didn't put any pressure on him. He just like, I was never going to let go of him or just see how he went. So we just took our time. We um, brought him back into competition. Um, he never quite regained his strength and spark that he mm. had. Um, we were training at home, but I wasn't pushing the competitiveness as much. Um, and then we were starting to increase the training again. And in the past, he had received some um, injections for um, joint issues, um, cortisol before. So I actually really didn't even consider the risk as much. Like you always get the feel from the vet, but because it had been kind of a consistent, he had required that just for maintenance for quite a while. Mm. And he got his more or less regular injection and all of a sudden um, there was a pulse in the wall, um, the belly could walk and um, laminitis picked up. And then um, within six weeks, it just went and got, bad to worse and he went to Radwick and um, um, it got to the point I said if ever the if it ever starts the people weren't coming through the hoof that's um, that's going to be it we got we got all sorts of experts we got I got herbalists involved I got special barriers involved. I did my own Reiki sessions and yeah. got a Reiki practitioner, animal communication, herbalist, like mm. you name it. I just tried everything. Yeah. And then one farrier came and said, well, what we could do is we could, because the hoof was coming off, we could, the, the, the um, oh, what's it called? Uh, the tissue was coming off and okay. so he says we could cut off the hoof lift him off and have the hoof re-go down and I thought like, no, that's it this is it now and right. so then we I decided I wanted to have him put down at home so we um, nerve blocked him and put him on a float and drove him home in his paddock and he had an hour in the paddock more or less pain free and there's a couple of pictures where he was just like his normal self um and it was interesting that he was so stoic throughout it all. Like he mm. was in pain, but he was still just really stoic. And um, I mean, animal communicator, Reiki master that I was working with in, um, in the process, he said, he's fine. Like he's in pain, but he's, he's not unhappy. He's not, he's not, he's not suffering. I think yeah. that's the dis distinction. He was in pain, but he wasn't suffering. And right. I think that's because he was so, clear in his path it was just he kind of knew what was coming and he was fine with it and so I tried to take him as an example a role model and just be there for that journey and then in the end um a vet who's been part of our journey for his whole life um came and 
um, gave him the anesthetics and the padding and he lay down and I was there sitting next to him while he then um, got, the, got the injection and it was the most beautiful and heartbreaking and beautiful thing all at the same time. It was just so, it felt so peaceful and right and he was just ready to release that aching body and to move on. And um, um, and I forgot to say, like I probably wouldn't have even had met my husband because <laughs> without him. Because when Revy had his comic circle at Randwick, yeah. my husband and my Tinder circles matched. Oh my god! He was a- <laughs> oh my god! That's incredible! Was- I didn't know that. Yeah, he he was living in Paddington. I was on the northern beaches. So we probably never yeah. would have. Knew, oh my circles. gosh. Well, that's a bit of light relief that so, yeah. we all need. We need a breath. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, what impact did that have on you? Um, I, well, I mean, I went in full grief mode. Like, it was like losing a family member, like losing my. I'm sure, it sounds maybe. It was almost as like losing a child. I mean, I have two children now, and it and it, it, it almost probably felt like losing a child because we were we grew up together. We were so close and just felt so connected. Um, so I took a couple of days off work and just allowed myself to be in that grief. Um, mm-hmm. The second thing that happened was in the same week as. Revy had to be put down. My retired horse, who'd been living in the paddock for like 10 years, also had to be put down. Oh. So I I had been with horses since I was 12. And then all of a sudden I was for the first time without a horse. And it just felt super strange, like mm-hmm. not having, because you feel that belonging. Yeah. Um, even if the one had been in the paddock, he was still my host of being without a horse and um, I just took a break from riding completely. I didn't want to visit the stables. Um, I just did other things. So I enrolled in the Oxfam walk and did the 100 kilometer walk. So I spent my time <laughs> walking instead with friends. And yeah. then um, uh, Greg and I went on a 12-week trip, which you don't do when you have horses. Right, and, um, right, yeah. Uh, I did ride then. We went horse riding in Mongolia and we did Mongolian train and travelled in Spain and just had this massive, massive holiday. Mm. Um, and when I got back from that, I was, like, getting interested again. Like, I just okay. felt yeah. something was missing in my life. That's so great. Thank you so much for sharing that, Anna. Mm-hmm. I loved hearing that story. It's Brett Parbury here, and I just wanted to pop in and say that if you're enjoying this conversation, you might like to head over to performanceriders.com slash podcast, where we list free training resources just for our podcast audiences. Find out what's available now at performanceriders.com slash podcast. And now back to the episode. Lorna, let's come over to you. Are you have you got the tissues out already, Lorna? <laughs> yeah, I've got the I've got the photo of my baby <laughs> and I'm looking at it, listening to Anna's story, just going, yeah, yeah. Tell, what, what was what was your boy's name? Um, Benchmark Father's Day or Fred. Fred, so oh, cute. It was 
a weird way of acquiring a horse. My <laughs> boyfriend did endurance and Fred was actually bought by an endurance stud right. <laughs> who buys a, a warm blood for endurance. Who knows? Right. Anyway, <laughs> they did a couple of 20 and 40K rides on him and I went to pick him up and my boyfriend up and he was in a paddock and I'm just like, oh, my God, I love this horse. He's so beautiful. And when I decided that dressage was going to be my thing and I had a beautiful little Brumby pony that I'd broken in and trained and gone through all the levels with and shown with and everything um, and taken her a long, long way until people found out she was Brumby. That's quite interesting. But anyway, <laughs> that's another story. Anyway, she... Um, he was in the paddock and I said, is he for sale? And they said, oh, well, he's actually owned by the police commissioner of Dubai. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I was like, okay. And they figured out he wasn't going to make it as an endurance horse. And I said, well, can you find out if they wants to sell him? And they did. And I went and had a look at him and rode him and just fell in love with him. And the day I was going to pick him up, he was out in a big paddock and he slipped and went down a dam bank and tore some muscles oh. um, in his rump and everything. And I said, well, I'm really not going to take him home till he's sound. Yeah. Um, so anyway, they got him sound and everything, brought him home, brought him six home six months later and had an absolute ball with him. He was so wow. different. I went from 13.3 to 17.2. Wow. All of a sudden I had this movement and I had to learn to ride, basically. Yeah. I've learned that when I was showing, yeah, I could sit there and look pretty, but when you're riding something with so much cadence, he had to look after you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and this beautiful, gentle soul did. He yeah. he was by Fisherman's Friend um, and when I was looking for dressage horses, I kept going to the benchmark start and watching all their horses and how they were progressing. So to find one down here, oh wow, fifteen yeah. kilometers away from my farm, oh. I went. This is incredible. Yeah, his name was Benchmark Father's Day, and his nickname was Fred. My dad's nickname was Fred, oh. and so, and my father was at the time dying of cancer, and I just went, oh my god, this is a big yeah. omen. No, yeah. we need to be together. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we brought him home. I had. A lot of lessons on him <laughs> um, with a local instructor here, Jodie Dunstan, and learnt to ride, which yeah. is fantastic. And we were just getting ready for our first local comp, dressage comp in Aubrey, and I was having a lesson at Nindor with Jodie and a hailstorm came in. So I'd had him probably 14 months then. So hadn't really been out, ridden him around the farm and had lessons basically and just got to know him and found out what a beautiful soul he is and how much he looked after me and yeah. everything. And we did go down to Melbourne a few times. I did clinics with the Writers Institute down there and all sorts of stuff because I was feeling my way in the dressage world, didn't know people, didn't know yeah. who was the right places to go. And... Having a lesson, hailstorm came in, putting him on the truck, and he slipped. 
and put one leg down the tailgate and the other leg came up like a chicken. So um. he stood up, got up off the tailgate, stood up, walked up the tailgate and I went, okay. We were 35 minutes from where he was, where we were having a lesson. Anyway, everybody came running. They're all like, just leave him on the truck, get him home. Okay. He's standing. He's not favouring anything. He had a little bit of bark off. That was it. So got him home, took him off the truck, walked off the truck, fairly steep tailgate on the truck. Thought, oh, you beauty, superficial, we're fine. Mm. Um, left him in a very large yard because I thought it's better than putting him in a stable or anything like that. Had him walking around, went out the next morning standing like this, <sighs> short-stepping. So rang the vet, he came out, said send him straight up to Wagga, took him to Wagga. They said, oh, it's nothing to do with his hind end, it's his front. Long story short, back on the f- put him back on the float, took him down to Shep and they nuclear x-rayed him, spent a lot of time down there and he'd fractured his pelvis. So they said it's going to be a long recovery Mm. and it was. We spent about 16 months with him in yards or stables for six months and then stable in very small yard and then he was allowed into a bigger yard and then we were allowed to hand walk him and then he was walked over poles and so in this time of course you get such a bond you are with I was with him every moment I was at home I was massaging him I was doing every treatment I could I was getting advice from every physio I could and everything every rehab I could do I'd done a degree in equine science and I was studying pet science at the time. And so, yeah, we, we did everything and took him back down to Shep, had him re-x-rayed. They said, yeah, put him in work. Wow. He, his, he said, you know, you had about a 40% chance of getting this horse right, so whatever you've done, you've done it right. Yeah. So brought him into work slowly. And he was going fantastically, absolutely beautiful. And we were due to go down to Melbourne to compete for our first, you know, if you're going to do it, go to Werribee for the first event. Like, don't <laughs> do a little local one. So <laughs> off we were going and I got really ill on the Thursday and didn't go. So I started to feel better Saturday morning went for a ride probably the best ride ever on him we went all around the farm went into a big paddock did all our dressage tests we would have been doing it wherever we had a beautiful day yeah put him in his paddock because he'd been so confined to stables and that was where he was such a beautiful soul you know the horse had been stabled and everything never lost never lost it you know he was just always there with me and put him in his paddock and we had a big storm coming in. So I thought I'll feed him early, everything, rugged him up, checked all the horses, went back out at 8 o'clock after the storm had gone, gave him his hay, all was perfect, got up at 6 o'clock the next morning to feed him and he was dead in the paddock. And 
it had a brain embolism. So if it had been down at Werribee, it would have been even worse. It was awful to lose him and I thought, well, you're in your paddock. It was instant. Yeah. Yeah. So it was a, um, and after he died, it was sort of a very hard, I had my little pony still yeah, and everything and I just, I lost all interest in Did doing you? anything. Yeah. Everything. It was, I'd, you know, go through the motions of feeding, rugging, didn't want to ride, just yeah. lost everything. And I thought I'm never going to find a horse like him again and I don't really want to, you know. Right, right. Don't want to do anything with the horses. So here I was finally and <clears throat> everything I needed to do what I wanted to do and yeah. then lost the main yeah. element, my beautiful horse. And then one day I was sitting, it was about six months later and I was sitting in the lounge and I thought, no, I'm going for a ride. So I jumped on the pony and went for a ride. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, I've got to do this. You know, you only live once. There's no rewind button. You know your goals. You know your dreams. You know where you want, what you want to do and let's see what you can do. Yeah. So I was, I got to know a lovely lady called Holly Cutler and she came up and did a clinic and I took the pony to it and we laughed our way around because right. there's me five foot four, five weeks post major surgery oh <laughs> bouncing my around on this poor little pony and, yeah, got a bit of a rapport going with her and she said, come on, we're going to go shopping. We're going to go and find you a new horse. Okay. So off we went and it started and we went everywhere shopping for a horse and we yeah. Queensland, Sydney, <laughs> Melbourne and everything I rode, I went, no, look, no. And she's like, nothing's going to be Fred. Nothing right. will be Fred again. Right. And I said, yeah, I know. No, I'm not worrying about it because if I rode something and it was right, I'd know. Okay. So I came home and sat down and I said to my partner, no, I'll just potter around with the ponies and your endurance horses and that's it. I'm not doing anything. The first ad on Facebook comes up and it's a horse by a fisherman's friend. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Oh, dear. Is somebody trying to tell me something? So I rang the lady and she said, okay, he's beautiful. He's really well-educated. But he has some quirks. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, what sort of quirks? And she said, well, I woke up on the ground and I don't know how I got there. And I went, oh, okay, that sounds good, lovely. And anyway, she sent me some videos and I'm looking at him and I said, did you have him at the Battle of the Borders show? And she said, yeah, and I knew the horse. Oh, wow. And I went, I'll come and have a look. <laughs> so I put the float on, drove out four hours, went and had a look, brought him home. You put, I was going to say, you put the float on. That's sort <laughs> yeah, of. Uh... Float on. <laughs> well, I figured I wasn't going four hours. And, back yeah, yeah. and yeah, so I brought him home. Oh, Dream wow. horse, absolutely fantastic, you know, that you'd want. And I'm riding him and he's never put a foot wrong with me. Oh. But it was like I still haven't got that motivation. Okay. And that's what I'm struggling with, even still. So yeah. at the moment I've got this beautiful, fantastic and another young bloke, big okay. black, beautiful dressage horse that you'd 
you know, everybody yeah. looks at and goes, oh, my God, he's magnificent. And I go, yes. And, and I've just trying my hardest yeah. with all the Brett Parbury stuff and yeah. friends to get back into it. And yeah. it's been the last month where I, people have, it's like everything's just falling into place. And, okay. yes, I'm getting all a lot better to do it. But, yeah, I think losing him is just, mm. it changed my entire life. And he was a life-changing horse. And mm. he, yeah, I think he broke my heart in such a way that, yeah, and I think it almost, you know, makes it so much more difficult, again, that you'd spent such a long time caring for him and bringing yep. him back to health. Yeah, oh, and you I can know. see your dreams and yeah. having that partnership. And because of that, we had such an amazing partnership. And right. it, it, people used to say, you've got this big 17 two-hand horse walking around like a dog. You haven't got yeah. a lead on him. And I'm like, right. I don't need a lead. You know, and we'd play in the paddock and he'd dance and yeah. I never knew anything about liberty, but that I that's what we were doing, you know. Mm. We mm. he was just so funny. People would go, Well, he's chasing after you, and you go, No, he's not. He's just running with yeah, me. We're yeah. just playing, and that's yeah. how he was. And he was just And how yeah. long has it been, Lana? Five years. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So it's and a long I wonder, time. Um, and I've had the new horse. Flynn for three and the other one for two. So, yeah. but I've also was very ill as well in okay. the interim. Yeah. Um, and I think that was a bit of it as well. So. I wonder if you um, can bring um, bring some of those things that you used to do with with Fred into the new horses, the, you know, all the stuff on the ground and the playing and the, the bondings. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. That's the avenue I'm looking at doing and just just enjoying every moment with them yeah. and yeah yeah um and just wow. it's the getting out brushing them and doing things again whereas they were just paddock ornaments and yes. I, it's finally getting back into it and I, I'm at a stage in my, my life where you know I'm 55 I've got the beautiful horses out there that I've dreamed of having oh. the lovely flow all the stuff to yeah. do everything yeah and not doing it, and I think this is so wrong. And oh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah, it's because of my soul horse that yeah. took a bit of me with him. So yeah, 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 yeah. But oh, they are, they're an amazing thing. Yeah, and I and yeah. I can't wait to see you know what the next couple of years hold for yeah. you. Like yeah, it feels well, like it's like it's your time now. Mm, mm, I think so too. Yeah, I think so too. But they are they're an amazing. Mm. amazing thing now horses and I as I say I'm very lucky to be out the opportunity to have two more out there and yeah. now I've just got to I think talking about it I never talk yeah. about it so I think that's something you need to do as yeah. well when you lose your soul horses talk yeah oh exactly mm -hmm. and I think you know it, it's difficult you can't just go and have those conversations <laughs> with anybody because they no. like what are you talking about it's yeah like, it's like when yeah. people aren't dog people and you lose your dog and you, yeah you're like Exactly. It's a dog, you know, and you go, no, yeah. it's not. It was part of the family. Exactly. That's right. <laughs> that's well, we totally get it. They're part of the family. Let's look. Oh, how are you? I feel like I need a breath. I feel like I'm connected to both of them because um, I knew, I met um, Anna with Rabbi. We used to do the Hayley Barrisford Clinics down at Wall Hill together with Nessie. So um, we have a, a long connection back there. Um, oh, and actually, 
Nessie was my fisherman's friend as well. So I, I oh. get connection with uh, fish. I, I fell in love with fish when Brett was riding him at Suntory. Um, Nessie and Fendi's breeder, uh, Ribbleton Monbloods, um, brought fish out to Australia with Remy Cheryl, who had him at the end. So um, I was lucky at the, at the time I was living at Dural um, and Ribbleton was down the road. So um, oh, I decided once I finished my law degree, a bit like Anna, I wanted to go to Germany and train after riding duty for many years um, through school and whatnot. And um, my dad was the same. He was like, no, you go and get an education and, and pay for this sport because it doesn't pay itself as we all know. It's cheap. Um, and so I'd grown up, you know, with thoroughbred stock horses and they'd sort of train through the grades and, and could do a lot of the tricks and stuff. But, you know, we, I guess, weren't ever really that serious. I used to envy everyone that was riding around on the big fancy warm bloods. And I always said that once I finished my law degree, um, I was going to go and buy my own warm blood. Um, so what started as a journey looking for a ridden horse ended up being a, a, a foal that was purchased <laughs> um, back in 2009. Um, and that was Ribbleton Finesse or Nessie as she was. Um, she was just a firecracker. I mean, anyone who knew her, she, she just had the biggest personality you'd ever see you know and I think that was the thing like I can remember um Jude used to say to me you know if we ever get this horse's brain she could she could do it all I mean Ness was the horse that she didn't say the point in 20 meter circles she just cracked shits and you know that was what what's this all about sort of right. thing you know and so she, she was just that horse that was just so endearing and you couldn't help but fall in love with her when you met her you know she just yeah. um she she touched a lot of people I, I learned subsequent to her passing um and I think you know Jude as much as she had a love-hate relationship with Nessie over the years <laughs> and I always wonder why I persisted um she she was there when we put it down so um right you know, it was yeah. you know sort of a bit of a testament that I could make Judy Jacks cry so. oh exactly that's right tell um, me a bit more about the connection that you and Nessie had and what you did together. oh we we a bit like the girls you know we just did everything together and she was really a bit like Anna was saying she was the horse that I think doing it seriously um really I guess probably for the first time as an uh, in my life like you know growing up riding dressage and having the bug is, is one thing and I think you do a lot of things like my horse could do changes and all that and we go out and compete you didn't think much but this is a horse that I, I wanted to take really seriously for the first time and go through doing young horse um through the grades and so she was really that horse that we learned together yeah. to do it properly um and you know with with um Jude and Hayley um we we really just worked day and night to to really push and see where we could take it and 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 she wasn't easy um and I think that was Judy used to say to me you know you guys are so similar in personality you know you're, you're <laughs> both a little bit too opinionated maybe a little bit too smart you're in good sometimes um you know you really had to pick your moments with Nessie she she had to want to do it you know um but I think with her um you know so we went through the grades and she she got some championships along the way she uh, was advanced champion down barrel a couple of years ago and um but it was one of those things that you know you never really quite knew what you're going to get on any particular day you know she, yeah. she the horse that you got the set line going well I'm not sure we're going to get this and you usually always right. have to put a creative flair somewhere in the test <laughs> that you know you see the marks come down and you think oh but that's just that's just who she is you know um, but she did, she, as she went through the grades, and it's interesting, Hayley knew her um, as a, a young horse, and she sort of said to me, 
if you can if you can put up with all the crap that you're going to go through, she'll she'll be quite good. She had a natural talent for the changes. Um, she was really good at the pirouettes. Um, hated half pass like that was just her pet hate. But you know, as we started to move through, she could see there was this horse that was emerging, and I think we could all see that what was yet to come was still going to be her her yeah. forte because I think um, as she moved into the the baby Grand Prix work, you could really see this horse just shining. She just she knew a job and she was just giving me such amazing work. Um, and, and but it's so much more than just being the horse that you got on and you did stuff with. You know, she was a horse that I come home from work. I had a bad day and I could just sit with her for hours and have a chat. And, you know, she was just the horse in the barn that, you know, she was kind of like my little two. I see I had horses on adjustment. She kind of watched what everyone else is doing. Fanny, my young guy who's, you know, 18 hands and just, you know the biggest worry what there is she was like a mum to him yeah. um so she just she just worked her way into everyone's yeah. heart that way yeah. and you know we had a fantastic journey as I say created from basically a fold to um the baby Grand Prix horse that you know had COVID not hit and we've been able to get up there and show what she could do I think the best was yet to come and I actually wish now that you know, she'd been a horse that could have gone through the program because I think there could have been a lot for her that we could have got out of this as well. So, yeah, um, yeah just just an amazing, amazing horse. And, you know, even down to the fact she'd never been sick or lame or anything a day in her life. Um, yeah. She was 12 years old. And, um, yeah, she, she, she was just, she was my world. She was my everything. Mm-hmm. I'd been through a bad breakup. She was there, you know, pick up pieces, go for a ride on this. You know, you, you yeah. kind of wow. just that horse, you know. She yeah. was and you saw that you, you saw that um uniqueness in her even from when she was a foal. Like it sounds like you weren't necessarily in the market for a foal. Something I cannot explain to you, Nat. Um, and I've only ever had it with one other horse. Um, and that's fairy tale, who's my young one that's out in the paddock. That's so much like her. It's crazy, but that's a whole other topic in itself. But yeah, it's amazing. Um it was it was almost instant and I and I can't explain it to people what it was when I saw her, but I just knew I had to have her. Like yeah, that right. was part of the horse. And yeah. it was weird because I'm thinking, what are you doing? You've just started a law degree, a, a law career. Um, I was going to the the bar, so practice as a barrister and, and training dressage horses, young horses, like you know, we all know they're not. And and Nessie for the first year under saddle stood on a hind legs, you know, she, rearing was her forte. So, you know, right. <laughs> she wasn't she wasn't an easy horse in any sense yeah. in the imagination in that sense so yeah it was something I just honestly can't explain but yeah really when someone says heart horse I'm like yeah she, that's she, what that is yeah that's what it is so yeah. um and what yeah. happened to Nessie so we've had a lesson um with Jude probably the best one we'd ever had came out of that and I actually thought at the time if I'd ever ride again I'm happy <laughs> weird how things happen um Two days later, I went down to her uh, her stable. We had sort of yards that came to the back of sort of larger stables. So um, she was in there and that's where they went for the night. And um, I pulled her out and she had her back on track boots that she went into the stable with every night with on. And um, she was on three legs. And we had a bit of rain and I'm thinking, that's really strange, but she was non-weight bearing and I called the vets um, who came out, 99% sure it's an abscess, you know. And it was really interesting because there was just this knot in my stomach that kind of went, it just doesn't mm. feel right. Anyway, 
um, we treated for an abscess for 10 days and, and her leg looked perfect. There was no swelling. There was nothing. There was no pulse. That's why I was just, it just didn't feel abscess-like. Um, and so, anyway, I, I called um, my farrier. He came out. He, he looked after Nessie since she was born and he, he thought, oh, this would be really easy. Abscess to find. You could see how lame she was. Dug around, not responsive on the hoof testers. Mm thinking, okay, this is really weird. So I called the vet, vet back and I said, look, you know, I think we need to x-ray. So he came out, he x-rayed, nothing. He said, you know, clean legs, you know, let me know on Monday if she's doing better. Anyway, fortuitously, it, it was my birthday of the, that weekend and I spoke to a really good friend of mine, Jen Lugden, who is a vet up in the Hawkesbury, and she, um, we grew up together and I just said, oh, this has been lame and, and she was actually there when Nessie was born she used to work for a big clinic over that way and um had known Nessie most of her life and I said you you know she's just not right and she said oh do you want me to come have a look I said no you're on maternity leave like it's no issue um we'll just and she said no no I'll, I'll come have a look anyway she came out on the Monday and she looked at her and she said to me I don't want to alarm you, but I'm a little bit concerned that we might be dealing with a joint infection here. So I'm going to hook up your car, uh, your float to my car. You go and get in the car and follow me to one of the clinics because um, I won't uh, do the, the tap on the property. I want to do it in a surgical facility. And she wasn't attached to a clinic at the time. So we drove to another facility um, where we didn't tap because the vets there didn't want to tap, but we x-rayed, ultrasounded, everything, nothing. But Nothing was explaining why Nessie was so mm. chronically lame. So we admitted her to that clinic. Um, she was reviewed by the surgeons that overnight. Um, and the next morning I was told to take her down to Sydney Uni Vet uh, Hospital at Camden for an MRI because nothing was showing. Another one was just saying this horse has remarkably clean x-rays. We, we just don't know what's going on. So I went out, put her on the float, drove her down to Camden, left her there. She had to be done the next day. Um, and whilst I was having lunch for my mum's birthday, I got a call from the vets at Camden to say, could they put Nessie in a cast? Because whilst they didn't read the MRIs themselves, um, they thought she had what they could see was what they thought was a developing catastrophic fracture of the P2 pastum. So I said, yeah, sure, put her in a cast. So um, by that stage, I was just going, what the hell is going on? This is just yeah. going from bad to worse. So they said, we'll put her in a, in a cast um, and then come pick her up. And not knowing where to go, I, I called Judy and said, can I put her in your stables? Judy was five minutes down the road from me at that point. And I didn't have facilities to do that sort of monitoring and have intensive sort of treatment and care. So picked her up, took her to the Dirks' place, um, where we just couldn't get her comfortable in the cast. And the vets are going, this isn't right, you know. Um, we uh, just didn't know. So Jen came back out. She's helping me. Um, none of the other vets wanted to travel and look at her. Um, so we're just going, you know, we basically said just just leave her basically um, was the, the, the advice we had from some of the vets that had looked at her saying, she's got this injury, she's in a cast, leave her. Right. Anyway. Fortuitously, one of the vets from Randwick was out at the Dirtses one night when Jen had pulled the cast off because Ness was not comfortable and she was a stoic horse, but she let you know when she wasn't right sort of thing. So the vets from Randwick were there and she said, oh, I think this is something that Dr Hayley Lang, who's one of the head surgeons at Randwick, 
could help with and have a look at. So Haley came out and had a look at Nessie. And they said, oh, has she been tapped? We said, no, hasn't been tapped. So first thing they did was tap. Um, and the Paston joint came back as being horrendously infected. Mm. So we, and, and Haley actually said to me at that point, she goes, look, I think we can salvage it. It's going to be a long, hard road. And she said euthanasia wouldn't be out of the question. And so I had to make a very hard choice as to whether we admitted it to Randwick to give her the choice, to give her the chance, mm. or whether we say goodbye then. Um, we made the choice to go into Randwick. Um, and only because Nessie was so stoic. You know, I, I, to be honest with you guys, I, I knew her reading career was over at right. that point. But they'd right. been very, um, very kind of blunt with me to say that what we were seeing, what was the catastrophic fracture was actually infection setting up in the bone and causing osteomyelitis. Oh, wow. So right. what was going to need to happen was we're going to need to get on top of the infection and we we're going to need to fuse the joint with a pastin arthrodesis, which is basically plating the joint to bring on arthritis of the joint fuses and you get them basically to paddock comfort. But, you know, I had this horse that was still happy and larger than life and life at the barn and mm-hmm. whatnot. So I, I, I said I get it every chance while ever she's fighting. So we drove her into Randwick and she had a first surgery, which she recovered from. And Jen worked really closely with Hayley. Um, Jen, who is um, a very skilled podiatrist, um, worked with some specialist barriers um, because we basically set up in boots and whatnot to try and prevent contralium laminitis from sending him while she was, because Nessie was a great patient. She stood in hospital in a cast perfectly like you couldn't, mm. but it's also a downfall because there was no movement or much yeah. blood flow going to the legs so i think about three surgeries in we were we, we were starting to get clear results on the infection we've gotten on top of it um but then we noticed her ever so slightly shifting in her box and despite all the efforts to try and prevent the contralim laminitis setting in we realized it was and she was sinking rapidly um did the graph and you know it's amazing how your world just becomes you know veterinary terminology all of a sudden i think i, I feel like i did a veterinary degree in that 12-week period um, so I, I, we said to Hayley, where are we at? Spoke to Rudin Riddle, um, Hayley trained at Cornell, so we're talking with professors over there. They said your only chance of saving this horse is to do a tenotomy, um, so which basically where you go and cut the deep digital flexor tendon. I wasn't too minds about it, but I still had a horse that was really, really stoic um, and, you know, full of life I keep walking every day I was with her in the vet hospital I'd go and visit and spend some hours with her and had my laptop for work working for the from from a vet stable um and um you know she was there and you know the girls would say oh mum's here and she she got her way into the hearts of all the vet nurses Nessie very much became the, the favorite she was the welcoming committee for the young foals that were coming in to have all their work done for the thoroughbred industry and you know she's just that horse um so he made the decision to do the tenotomy and um, the, she was clear to have the arthrodesis done, which was her best chance at life um, at that point. So everything went well. We did the two operations. She was still stoic. She was happy. The, the arthrodesis, I think, was an eight-hour operation, which was, that was one of the longest operations I'd ever done. I can't oh. tell you more. I sat on and I'm thinking, why haven't I heard from the vets? We were there as soon as she came out of surgery. You know, this horse just kept you know, fighting and, you know, there's, there's pictures I have with her just standing there in a cast but still so happy and joyous and 
Um, anyway, I think the weekend before we lost her, she wasn't comfortable again and we um, Hayley came in to look at her and said, oh, I think she's okay. The x-rays that we taken on the Friday were showing that everything was okay. So maybe it was just a bit of discomfort over the weekend. Um, by the Monday, I walked into the hospital and Hayley met me at the gate and said she's not good. Mm. So we basically had to, I, I took one look at her and I knew it was time. Um, she was, the lights in Nessie's eyes were off. Mm. And that's when I said, enough, it, c- it can't go on. And we x-rayed her again and basically the infection was back with a, a vengeance and was oh pushing right. a plating through her leg. So we um, let her out to the grass at Canterbury where she had a look where Bramwick was set up waiting for the new facility to be built. And, I mean, if you could have seen her the way she walked out to the grass, which she'd been missing for the last 12 weeks, <laughs> she hauled out there and um, with all her vet team, um, with Jude, with mum and dad, we said goodbye. Um, and it was the hardest day um, I think I've ever had. Um, I thought, um, you know, you couldn't have asked for a more peaceful passing for her and she died with dignity. Yeah. But I think what it does to your heart and how you pick up the pieces from there is really, really tough. Um, I wasn't sure. I was I was blessed to have Fendi sitting in the paddock, um, but he struggled. Um, he had gone down to the Dirkses as well because he wasn't coping at home on his own. And right. honestly, I thought he was going to put himself into a stress collet because whenever Ness went out, he just lost him. Yeah, couldn't cope. So we put him down there, but he is one of those horses that's so sensitive and so emotional. Um, both Brett and Emma have, you know, done some coaching with me, and they can tell you that he's a he's a tricky one. So he's a, he's another podcast all in himself in her horse <laughs> trauma. I tell you, but anyway, um, so I was lucky that I had him because I yeah. bred him also through the reason. Um, and did yeah. you want to did you want to focus on him at the time, or how are you feeling? Numb. I think is the best mm-hmm. word. The grief, the, the the emotions that you ride through that period are something you can't really describe. You you're you're sad. You're you're heartbroken. There's anger that creeps in as well because anger at yourself, anger at what you missed, anger at what you could have done different. Um, it it was one of those times where I, I actually contemplated getting up riding for the first time in my life. I still had Fendi. He was never going to go anywhere but you know it was all of a sudden like I put in so much work and so much effort and finally got almost to the point where I felt like I'd achieved a lot with with my horse and and kind of the goal I guess of where you wanted to be and it felt like it was cut short yeah and I wasn't sure I could do it again Mm. I wasn't sure I could could you know train another horse can I can I do it and and I think that's part of your heart too that also isn't sure whether you know you can let another horse in like that I think as okay yeah I was saying you know you you have that heart horse and I think part of that connection is that you've spent so much time and so much energy and put so much in and spend so much time bonding with them it's part of it I think that almost shuts yourself off from that a little bit too and which is weird to say because I had Fendi all his life I bred him I was there when he was born it was um the connection with him is very different and he is a heart horse, but in a different way to Nessie. He's very different personality, very different style of horse. Um, 
and I didn't want to let him in. Um, but then I think through that process, part of my healing and part of his healing too was building that connection together and, and slowly but surely over probably two months out of the saddle, I thought I can get back into this and I can start writing and I can start training. I started to find the love of it again and I started to want to, to do all the things and you start to believe that there is a future and the dream looks a little bit different. And in some ways, you know, it, it, it's allowing, I guess, yourself to change and adapt to what that looks like that, that mm. future and that really I guess is um you know where he he's played a huge part in that recovery for me and and continues to um I have struggled with getting him out to compete he, he could go out and compete but for me it, there were so many memories of going to Syat going to Clarendon all the places I've been so many times and and having that that fear of someone coming up and having to 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 relive the Nessie trauma um I, I only lost her um, on the 27th of October 2020, so it's still fresh. It's coming up two years. Um, and I'm only now feeling like I can do that. And I think part of the move to Victoria as well for me um, is a bit cathartic in that sense because I can go to a new place with a, you know, with him um, the comp grounds aren't as familiar and, and maybe that will be part of the foray back into yeah people aren't going to ask no. and yeah that's yeah. right that's right oh gosh ladies oh <laughs> i don't know if what i need after hearing all your stories a stiff drink um <laughs> but how special thank you so much for sharing your stories um and that they all ended up sort of yeah, like being all entwined really with each other in Ooh. some way, which was amazing. Um, we've gone so far over time that we have to wrap it up now and I'll let you go. But thank you so much. I hope that although it was hard, I hope you enjoyed sharing the stories as well um, of Ooh. your heart horses. If I and can add one thing. Yes, please. Yeah. I think um, Lorna mentioned that um Fred took a part of you with him. I like to think of it as a part of Revy always still being with me now. Mm. And um, and I don't know if, if the others have the same thing, but it's almost like a, I'm not sure if it's an energy, but it's almost like a tactile thing, like he's, like he's always behind my right shoulder. Like that's just where, where I feel the most. And, um, I see you say that, Anna. Um, I had never noticed it before, but when I lost Nessie, I started seeing feathers, which I never, uh, maybe they were there, I have no idea, but I, I became acutely aware of seeing feathers and the amount of times where I'm with the horses. I don't see them in any other context other than the horses, but I see feathers quite regularly still to this day. And there'll be times where I'm riding around on the arena, training, doing things, and I'll look down and there's a, there's a bloody feather there. And mm. I think, and I just messy. And I, it's 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 just it was the weirdest thing. I can't explain it to anyone, but it, it's like she's there continually. Yeah. Oh, it's really beautiful. Thank you all so much. And look forward Thank to you. chatting with you soon. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.